The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. If you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Galatians 4. It's all going to be on the screen. Um, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I, uh, we're going to look at this together, and then uh, we're going to experience uh, baptisms after the sermon. And so, um, as I'll, I'll make a few comments about that there, but... Um, you can all just kind of like, it's kind of like the birthday cake. Like you all get to stare at it while we do, anyhow, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, okay, here we go. I'm going to read Galatians 4, 4 through 7 for us, and then um, we will pray and start looking at this together. And we will be going between John 20 and Galatians 4, but those will all be on the screen. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. And when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because we are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray. Father, as we look at these words together and celebrate Your new life in us, by the Spirit, because of our older brother Jesus, we pray that we would experience the release of death in our lives and that we would experience the newness of your life among us. Continue to stir and fuel our joy, Spirit, this morning as we experience and remind ourselves of this victory of our brother Jesus Christ over Satan, sin, and death. So it's in his name we pray. Amen. We are talking about uh, Easter, the resurrection. If you're new to Christianity or you just don't know what all these words mean, resurrection is to bring something back to life. And so this morning we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. And sometimes we just have to ask like motivation questions. Jesus, why did you want to be raised from the dead? Why did Jesus want to be raised from the dead? Like when it's your birthday, like we celebrate, my birthday is November 23rd, I would love to get more birthday gifts. I love birthday gifts. Birthday gifts are the best. I like a lot of them. I like them to match the number of years that I grow old. So I'm just telling you that in advance. <laughs> you don't get to choose your birthday, though. I mean, generally. I mean, unless like a cesarean sex or something like that. You know, but like, I was like, in general, like you just, you don't get to choose your birthday. But you're born, and so then you have to kind of live with it for the rest of your life. But I imagine if we were to sit down and talk to Jesus, he actually has a motivation. He chose that day. Why did Jesus want to be born again? Why did Jesus want to be raised from the dead? That's really, the, I mean, we can talk about what happened to Jesus, but it wasn't like a birthday. Like, it didn't just kind of, like, happen. It happened because Jesus wanted it. Jesus wanted to be raised from the dead. And so, we need to be asking the question, why did Jesus want to be raised from the dead? In fact, our passage from Galatians that we just read kind of draws us into this reality. It draws us into this reality. Last week we looked at this adoption stuff where we were seeing how God himself, through Jesus Christ, has made us sons and daughters of the living God. It's not really that he's made us sons and daughters of the living God, kind of like, well, I guess I'll put them in my will. He wants us. He wants us to be in his family. He wants us to be in his particular family. And the doors for acceptance into God's family is as wide as the nation's. Anybody and everybody, everybody is invited to be a part of God's family. 
And amidst the pain of whatever your experience has been or the good experience of what it's like to have a father for you, this new father is different. He is unique. He is all-loving, all-gracious, all-merciful, all-compassionate, all-empowering. He does all of these things because that's the type of father he is. And when we talk about why did Jesus want to be raised from the dead this morning, it connects to the type of adoption that God is doing in our lives. It is connecting us to this human element of who Jesus was. He was not merely just kind of the spirit who kind of washed through the history of of time and kind of said some very flowery things. He was a human. And in his resurrection, in his rising from the dead, in his motivation for it, Jesus wanted to secure and tie our humanity into the very heart and presence of God himself. Maybe more than any year, maybe more than any year, you feel the frailty of your own humanity. 2020, I'm sure, will be, for at least for the rest of my lifetime, proverbial with kind of like, like, ugh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, I can just think of all the things that have happened in the last, I mean, it's crazy to me. We started doing virtual meetings almost a little over a year ago, and all of the stuff, all that, and you think of not only the pandemic and then families and friends who have since passed away, but then also just the political dynamics, and it feels like just the way in which everything's like on edge, That, this last year, I think, exposes for us the exhaustion of what it means to be human. Just what it means to exist in this world. You see, Jesus Jesus knew that exhaustion. If you think about what happened that week leading up to Jesus' crucifixion, he would have experienced family strife. He would have experienced relational strife. I mean, bro you got Judas going down in history as like the ultimate betrayer. And then you've got a lot of... He became a political ploy back and forth between the, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the Roman Empire. He got pushed around by all the politics of the day. His closest friends abandoned him. Even the guys who liked him, who were like Team Jesus, you know, ride or die. He experienced the fullness of humanity. And it is in that experience of, his, of what it meant for him to be human, he takes all of that and plunges it through the cross into the depth and despair and the darkest moments of our experience. And then on Easter morning, we are celebrating this profound reality of, of this renewed humanity that comes walking out of the grave when his heart starts beating again that Easter morning. It is the newness of human life finding a fresh, unending, new expression that never happened before. So Jesus, he went to the cross, accused a criminal, died to release us from the power of sin and death. And Easter morning, the resurrection of Christ ties our humanity into this new life of God's family. We not only get a father who loves us, wants us, and provides for us, but we get an older brother who understands us, who knows us, and now empowers us. So what I want to do, if you'll just follow with me for a few moments, I want to turn over to John 20, and I want to meditate on some of these profound words of what Jesus, around the resurrection of Jesus from John's account, and then I'll land us back again, Galatians 4. I promise it's going to be cool. All right? I mean, not necessarily my sermon. The, the, the passages are cool. Like, you're not going to, like, wig out or anything like that. All right? That's what I mean. All right, John 20, 1 through, 
verses 1 to 2. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon and Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where, he, where they have laid in the tomb. He's like, He's gone. And they bolt, and Mary Magdalene is kind of like falling behind. But Mary Magdalene, verse 11, stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look in the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one of the head and one of the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They, they have taken away my Lord. First of all, I just think it's incredible that she just like continues like no big deal talking to angels. They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw, saw Jesus standing, but she did not know what, that it was Jesus. And then verse 15, she, Jesus said to her, Woman, why, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you, if you have carried she turned to him and said to him in Arabic, Raboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go tell my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. You see, here is a profound moment. And it's certainly, you can understand it, amidst this moment is the confusion, right? Because she's talking to angels like they're guys on a bus seat. And then she turns around and she sees Jesus and she's kind of like, okay, janitor, where's the guy in charge? But what's important to recognize here is that in John's account, John is steeped in the imagery of the Old Testament. He's steeped in the images of the, Old, of the Bible. And so when John makes this account, he has another garden in mind. You see, at the very, very beginning of the whole book, there is this garden. And there is a garden that needed tending. And that tending was done by this man and this woman, and death came into that garden, slithering around, and it snared them. And so here... You have another woman walking through another garden, meeting another gardener. And there is another expression of death that has now been defeated. You see, John, when he's telling us this story, he is making a profound, profound statement. You see, the original gardener wasted his rule and in him sowed death into our lives, into this world. And now, in this new Jesus, in this new Adam, in this new humanity, Jesus, the new gardener, who destroyed the power of death, and his first words to the woman in this garden is breathing new life, new power, new humanity into our existence. 
because he breathed air into his dead lungs. You see, this gardener, this one, is sowing life with everything that he has into the people around him because he has destroyed death. Because he has destroyed the power of death. Even so much, so we see this and we read this kind of like, oh, it's kind of a cool story, like Jesus talks to Mary, no big deal. But you have to remember, in, the old, in, the, in this time when the Bible was written, you had men at the top of the strata of, of culture, you had kind of all the blue-collar workers, then you had slaves, and then you had women. Women were so low in their trust in being trusted by the culture that their, 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 their witness and their testimony was not admitted into courts. So here you have the king of the universe who has just destroyed the power of death entrusting the message of his triumph over our greatest enemy to who? The bottom of the culture. So that here, from the very beginning of him stepping out of the grave, he is turning our world upside down and entrusting this message that on Eve's lips was a temptation to death. Here, he gives her the pronouncement of life to then take and overturn the entire world. You see, she is a picture of Eve renewed. She is a picture of all of the life, all of the goodness, all of the power of what this Easter morning represents that our older brother Jesus gives us. The first garden dehumanized our existence. The second garden, the second garden, it renews and overturns all the power of death in our lives. Did you notice what he says to her? Verse 17 in John 20. Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. There is something that Jesus has to do. There is something that Jesus still, even in his Easter morning celebration moment, even as he has overcome Satan's sin and death, like quite literally, not just figuratively, literally done it, there is something he must do. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. You see, Jesus is binding something about himself to us. It's not merely that Jesus kind of spiritually, like a cat poster, raised, you know, hey, get your spirits up, guys. No, that he's doing something. You see, Jesus is inviting us into his heart motivation of why he rose from the grave here, right? Why did Jesus, start out asking, why did Jesus rise from the grave? He tells us right here, I've got to do something. I've got to go to my father and your father. And we can look at that and be like, well, Jesus, I mean, you were dead. You had a spirit. So like, couldn't your spirit just kind of like go and be with the father? Well, that, that would be true and good for any version of, a, of human existence that didn't require a human physical body, Right? You can go to Buddhism. You can go to a lot of different religions and get that. But Jesus, he looks at our humanity, our existence. That you realize the five senses, like we're going to go and eat. Some of you are going to do Chinese for Easter dinner. Or some of you are going to go do like lamb and all that stuff. But when you taste your food, that sense of it tastes like something good. 
or when you hear good music, like we'll hear on Saturday, it, there's, it does something to our existence. It, this is the way we hear. We, we, the, a part of what it means to be human, right? When you, my, some of you just ran this awesome race last weekend. When you run, you feel the pleasure of God in your running, so to speak, right? I don't. I don't feel. I feel the judgment of God when I run. Uh, I, but our human existence, right? It requires a body. Like we can't think and live without a human existence. We can't be a person without a body that exists in this world. Right? It means something to be human, and being human involves a body. And it's not just something to get rid of. It's critical to who you are. It's critical to your existence. And so here we have the shocking reality of the Bible. The shocking reality is that a man, a human body, sits in the very presence of God. Right? That is a shocking reality. Right? All the religions, God is unseen. He's, he, you can't ever know him. He's you know, revealed in certain ways. But earth, human stuff, that's dirty and nasty. Spiritual is good. And the Bible very clearly says humanity in, and creation in and of themselves are a good thing. And so when Jesus rises out of the grave, this is the shocking thing about the New Testament. He bound himself to humanity when he became incarnate and took on flesh and died for our sin, and yet he still maintains that human body when he rises from the grave and now binds us to the very heart of God so that this Easter power is not merely a spiritual power, but it is a spiritual human together power for you and for me, for our family in Jesus. This is what he has done. Right? This Easter power is not just some sort of like, you know, hang in there, guys. It's going to be okay. It is, I have got you, right? The very dust of earth, Scottish theologian John Duncan, the very dust of earth now sits in the throne of heaven. That is the profound reality of Easter morning, is that human existence is so valued by God, is such at the center of his heart that the Son of God took on flesh and now lives in a human body, in the very presence of God. So then when we say we're children of God, we're not just saying this in a general sense. We are saying this in a your experience, your human experience. The pain, the yearning, the good experiences, the desires, all of that is just the beginning. Not that pain gets worse, but that now pain has a redeeming story that will be undone in all of its effect and power over you. The sin that's been done against you, all will be undone because it became undone with Jesus. All of these experiences, whatever your experience of 2020 was like, here we have in Jesus this assurance that our human existence matters to God. And it matters so much that He has bound your experience to his heart in the person of Jesus. This is how we, you know, we think about this when we do elections or we do anything else, right? Like, if you've got the inside guy, you know, like, if whatever your party is, you know, you're like, hey, libertarians, like, you know, we're going to, once we get an elected libertarian, the world is going to be a better place, whatever, you, if that's your thing. With Jesus now, we say, our humanity, our human existence 
is no longer tainted by Satan, sin, and death. It is no longer ruled by those things, but there is the part of our humanity that is good and is true and is worthy that is now bound to the heart of God in Jesus' resurrection. So, when we talk about being family in Jesus, your human existence and gifts and skills and your experience matter. And they matter so much that now between us, we have our older brother, Jesus, who has risen from the dead. And right now, I I want you to kind of think about this. Right now, in his very existence, he is a human person who could sit on a chair right next to you. That is the profound thing about Easter. All that's true about him, all that's good and what he has done for us, all that is pure and holy and right, has a body that can sit on the chair right beside you and feast on the Easter dinner that you're about to go, you're salivating about right now. I've got my little steak tips all like ready to grill. He could enjoy that with you as a part of what it means to just be human. I hope that in this, what you are hearing is a breath of like, wow, Easter, I think, actually is a good thing. It's not just like a holiday that we do. Like, this is now where the world turns upside down. Now we can experience what it is to be identified with this family that actually means something. It actually has flesh and bones. It is something that is radically changing. So we don't just go to church to kind of fulfill this kind of like religious thing. We go to church to experience. This is not, not that you guys listen to my monologue will be heaven forever. But our experience as a life of a church, worshiping God, enjoying his presence. Imagine having, having Jesus himself teaching us, leading us, in an actual in his real body. Walking with us, you know, this whole thing that we contract that we're gonna do Saturday, leading that. That's what he, that's what we are tasting here in this new life of Jesus. So we see we see the beginning, the taste of heaven. Women are valued and believed, men are strengthened and freed from all of the sort of junk that's told from us in culture of like how you have to be and all that sort of stuff. Right? Our identities are no longer grounded in the expectations of other people or your job or your family or anything. They are grounded. Everything about you, your identity, is rooted and grounded in the physical, resurrected body of Jesus Christ himself that is in the very presence of God right now. That's what we celebrate on Easter. That's what we celebrate when we, when we say Jesus was raised from the dead. We have an insider to the very heart of God, so to speak. So let me read Galatians 4 for you again. And with all this background in mind, he actually has a real body raised from the dead and has made you a part of, he said, I must go to my father and your father. So now, with that in mind, let's read Galatians 4 and experience the Easter power of Galatians 4 through these verses. Now when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because we are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, 
so you're no longer a slave of King's Cross, but you are a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The power of Easter Sunday breathes through these verses that in Jesus you are invited into this radical, world-turning, upside-down family that is driven by our Savior who actually has a physical body, who has bound our existence to the heart of God himself. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.